This podcast contains conversations about trauma, death, and other challenging subjects, and may be sensitive for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you need resources to get help, please see the show notes. You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from drawntoastory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change, with a particular interest in identity, belonging and expat life. This podcast is about lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly, to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone, and that's you included. Today's guest is Mandy Priest. She's an award-winning communications trainer and author. Her work in the field of listening in unexpected situations grew from her experience of sitting with people at the end of life. And in 2019, she was the NHS Unsung Hero Volunteer of the Year. But she's also had a bloody awful time with menopause (laughs) and I can hear an awful lot of women's ears pricking up as I say those words. Menopause Support UK says that approximately 13 million women in the UK are either peri or post-menopausal. Symptoms can last up to 15 years and over 60% of women experience symptoms resulting in behaviour changes. One in four women will experience severe, debilitating symptoms. I'm not there yet, and already I'm quaking in my boots. So at this point, I'd like to bring Mandy in and actually say welcome to Drawn to a Deeper Story. Thank you, Kath. Thank you so much for having me here. And thank you for enabling me to sort of share my story of menopause, because obviously everybody will have individual stories but I think I really wanted to share what happened with me so that other women out there might feel less alone because I felt very lonely in the menopause because Mm. everybody talks about hot flushes and nobody talks about all the other stuff and (laughs) the rest (laughs) the rest of it and you know hot flushes yeah they're a bit of a pain but to be honest they're nothing compared with some of the other stuff actually my wife was quite pleased with the hot flushes because she's always cold and she's like (laughs) one and she she was quite enjoying them okay we're going straight in really I mean this is the thing how it's talked about and what people think it's going to be like and I wanted to ask you first up did you have any preconceived ideas about what menopause would be like um no, not really. The only the only experience I probably had of it is watching my mum go through it. Mm-hmm. But when she was going through it, I was probably late teens and, you know, doing my own hormones. Not really aware, you know, yeah. your mum's just your mum. I think it's when mm. you're older, you realise, you know, oh, we should have had those conversations. <laughs> I do remember us having a very sort of hormonal argument in Marks and Spencer's in Bournemouth <laughs> and um, mum suddenly having a hot flush where she literally went like tomato red and started dripping mm. and I just said to mum oh my god what's happening and and my mum was very sort of stoic sort of person so she said it was just a hot flush mm. um, so she didn't really talk about it but I was I guess aware of that mm. but that, uh, that's it really mm. you know 
women did, women didn't talk about it. I think we're talking about it a lot more now, but women mm. didn't really talk about it. No, I'm interested in this because I remember growing up and like doom day is like it was in my head was kind of like oh my god when I'm going to get a period and it was that was the kind of thing of having mm-hmm. a period was the big thing mm-hmm. and then we're so we're told about periods we're told about having babies but people don't talk about menopause like has it no. come a shock to you of how awful your experience I shouldn't laugh but how awful your experience has been I, th- I think we have to laugh Kath otherwise <laughs> the only other option is is madness um it was a heck of a shock. And also I didn't understand what was happening because it, the symptoms started obviously perimenopausal were mm. really bad. And I was still having periods. So I didn't know what was happening. Mm. I genuinely did not know mm. what was going on. Um, so I went from somebody who was regularly sitting in a hospice with people at end of life as a volunteer, running a volunteer mentoring program training volunteers you know I was out there working Mm. to somebody who was then suddenly not wanting to go in finding I couldn't hold my emotions anymore the thing that was my biggest passion I was beginning to dread doing must have been really scary it was really scary because I couldn't work out what was going on and of course then goes through your head oh well I must be in burnout and I think that was definitely part of it Mm. but ended up sitting in front of a GP in tears Kath telling her all of these things that were happening to me Mm. particularly Mm. around my memory I remember crying literally floods of tears very embarrassing floods of tears in front of the GP and she said, I think we're going to sign you off work. Not for two weeks. And she said, shall we try two months? <laughs> Bless her. Bless her. I ended up being a year and three months before wow. I went back. Yeah. Wow. That's astonishing long, isn't it? That's, yeah. That is almost like having maternity leave, but probably better because it's longer. <laughs> <laughs> but no seriously I mean that's sorry I shouldn't I can't help joking it's just like but 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 seriously that I mean that's a hell of a long time yeah because I I thank god she did say all of those things to me and and the reason I went to see her is because I did an online Alzheimer's test and failed it Mm. and that I can remember running down to my wonderful neighbour, Alison, and knocking on her door and bursting into tears on her. Alison was just amazing and made me a cup of tea and said, just go to the GP, it's fine. You know, I'm sure it isn't. Yeah. But it was just terribly, terribly scary Mm. what was happening to my brain. Mm. And And the more stressed you get because of what you think is happening, you then are more likely to fail things because your stress chemicals around your body are going to be playing up as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... The best thing the doctor could have done was sign me off because that took away, like you say, elements of stress and let me sort of recalibrate Mm. um, and try and understand what was happening. At that point, I had no idea that there was, it's so embarrassing, isn't it? But I didn't really realise how impacted women could be perimenopausal. Mm. I thought it all happened when your period stopped. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like one, and actually to be, this is going to make me sound stupid as well. To be brutally honest, I think for a long time, and actually till not quite recently, I thought like you're kind of fine. It goes, it comes and goes a bit, and then they just stop, and that's it. And maybe you get some hot flashes. Like yeah. it's 
I'm embarrassed. But at the same time, this is something I talked about a while ago with a straight friend and we were joking about the lateness of of your period coming and, and how that was a straight girl problem, not a gay girl problem. And we were talking about the period process from the egg being released and the, the period starting and all the stuff that happens. And I was very aware of how little I knew about my own body even. And that was terrifying. And I put some of that down to being gay and not needing to worry about reproductive stuff in terms of getting pregnant or any of that kind of stuff. But it's mm-hmm. made me think much bigger about how little women are taught about their own bodies and what the processes are. Do you think that menopause is a dirty word? It's menopause a dirty word. I think, in a way, I think we need to re-engage with it. So rather mm. than a, uh, being a dirty word, I think we need to turn it into it's a transition and it's mm. hard while you're going through it, but there are definitely as someone who's coming out the other side of it now, and and I'm not completely free of it, but I'm definitely noticing changes. Um, As somebody coming out the other side, there are gifts to it. Mm. And I think when you're in any moment of transition or crisis, you can only see what you're in. Mm. It's only when you start coming out of it and start looking back with hindsight that you think, actually, there were gifts. I just couldn't appreciate them at the time. And one of the gifts is I do feel I know me better. I do feel I know my body better. I do understand that sometimes my body needs to rest and and, and honour that, you know, that's Mm. important. Have you found that honouring difficult to to give yourself permission to do? Because another thing as women is that there's always so much pressure on what we're meant to be achieving and what we should be doing. And women are very good at putting themselves last. So how have you managed that? I mean, one of the ways that I've managed that is to actually be really, really honest with myself mm-hmm. and not try. You know, we all try to try to do self-care, Kath. Mm. And instead of just thinking, actually, what I really need to do is just do something that really gives me complete headspace. For yeah. me, at the end of the summer holidays, I just said to Simon, my husband, mm. I said, I just need some space. And I just took myself off walking on the coastal path for two days. Mm. No way I would have done that before. I would have, yeah. my, my, I have to be a mother and I have to be, you know, all of that stuff would have yeah. gone on. Yeah. And I just know now that I can't, I have to give time to replenish. Yeah, absolutely. And And you're in this, with him as a partnership and that partnership is is the 50 50 just because you're not there doesn't mean the world's going to collapse like you're not there you will collapse like you need to look after yourself yeah and I think Simon would be the first one to say that if I'm asking that I need self-care he thinks that's a good idea because he's had to live with the menopause (laughs) (laughs) poor man he'll be like yeah go 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 yes (laughs) go please just go please please go go. we'll be fine (laughs) Oh dear. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we've talked kind of around it being awful, but what, I mean, what was your experience? You talked to me about some of the things that can happen. What, like, just so listeners know, what are the things that can happen and, and have you've experienced? Okay. So I've got this list here, which just for a laugh, we'll read out. It's from the internet, you know, good old internet, but <laughs> Um, if I read it out and then I'll tell you what, what my sort of experience was. So here's the list, all you ladies. <laughs> uh, memory lapses, 
poor concentration, sleep disorders, fatigue, loss of libido, mood swings, depression, anxiety, loss of confidence, panic disorder, irritability, um, dryness everywhere, ladies, I have to say, just <laughs> be honest, um, dry skin everywhere, but particularly, you know, can cause great pain during sex, mm. incontinence, joint pain, general aches and pains, breast pain, digestive changes, bloating, allergies, brittle nails, skin and ha- dry hair loss, itching skin. <laughs> A bit like um, I've had moments where it feels like something's running over you, that sort of weird, yeah. weird thing. Palpitations definitely have that one, fluttering heartbeat, weight gain, bloating, and headaches. Da, 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 da. Uh, oh. Obviously, everybody's journey is different. I have got friends who have breezed through it. Mm. Absolutely not. And, and not needed HRT anything. They've genuinely just breezed through it. Mm. I've got other friends who have had to work with trying different HRT regimes and finding something that suits them. Mm. Um, then there's been other friends like me who can't, haven't been able to manage HRT and therefore have, you know, pretty much had to go through the menopause as it presents mm. and just sort of, you know, mm. makes the transition as best I can. Mm. Mm. Um, but for me, the biggest difficulty was the effect that it started having on my brain. Mm. That was super scary. Mm. Um, and was with a friend who's 15 years younger than me and we'd taken our boys out for a picnic in the new forest and we'd taken my little camper van and we get out there and all our stuff's in the back and I'm standing by the back of the van and she's just looking at me and after a while after probably like 40 seconds or something Kath she just looks at me and she said are you okay I just started crying, not mm. like burst into tears, but just tears going down. And she said, what's happened? And I said, I don't, I don't know how to undo the boot of my car. Jeez, scary. And really scary. Mm. And it was just, everything had stopped. Like my brain didn't work. It was mm. really the weirdest thing. She laughed because she thought I was joking. Mm. And then I just, then she saw my face because she was kind of standing a bit behind me. Mm. And she stopped oh my goodness and I said like, where's mm. the latch I don't I don't know and I've had you know I've had the van like two years when I told my husband really helped my husband to understand that I, what I was saying was I wasn't just having a few forgetful moments but that this was actually something a bit more serious is yeah. I made a cup of tea and thought oh I'd really like a chocolate biscuit and so I put a chocolate biscuit on the plate made my cup of tea walked into my little dining room office bit and there was a hot cup of tea and a biscuit already made oh oh dear that's quite uh in your face moment isn't it and I just had no recollection Mm. of doing it which must have been like five minutes before Mm. yeah was the tea still hot that was on yeah 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 it was close enough that it it's a scary enough yeah. that you should have remembered. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? That was that was the, the moment at which mm. point I spoke to Sai and we said, yeah, you know, really do have to go and see the GP. Mm. 
Mm, and that's when she going. ran the mm. hormone tests and said you're perimenopausal. And luckily, I was really lucky because I had a locum GP who was an expert on menopause, and I told her everything that was happening. And she said, obviously, it could be early onset dementia, but actually, what you're sh- saying to me, I think it's menopause. Yeah. So, how did you find the medical help and getting help with what you needed? Because there's an awful lot of horror stories out there of women really struggling. It sounds like you had quite a positive experience in that regard yeah she was very very helpful and I think she obviously said to me then you know we can do all the hormone tests and we can there's things we can offer you um, and talked about HRT then but on both sides of my family there's breast cancer this was a few years back before they had started talking about maybe the risk of breast cancer with Mm. HRT isn't quite as high as we thought it was yeah but back then and I just said I'm not I'm mm. not going there. I, I just, mm. I don't want to go there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and what happened really, Kath, is it's quite interesting is the doctor explained it to me that some women are hypersensitive to hormone changes. So you may notice that in your relationship when you're having your periods, mm-hmm. you may notice that in terms of what, if you have a baby, because the hormone fluctuations of having a baby like some women will get postnatal depression and some people won't. Yeah. That can be due to the fact that they are finding the fluctuations of hormones really tricky to manage. Yeah. Um, and some women will be the same with menopause. And the doctor said that we all have this assumption that menopause, you'll have all these hormone changes and then it slowly, slowly begins to dissipate. Like a fairy tale. Oh, yeah, like a fairy tale. <laughs> But actually, for some women like me, what happened was I had a really, really horrible, horrible time where everything was going balmy. Then I had a time where partly probably because I reduced a lot of stress, I wasn't working, Mm. where things began to stabilize a bit. And then my period stopped. Mm. And then um, about a year ago, it kickstarted again. And it was just back there full on again. oh no okay. yeah she said they don't know some women will go in waves with it and some women will do a sort of more of a a big thing and petering out but there mm. doesn't seem to be rhyme or reason to it no which is also probably why having these conversations is difficult because there's no blanket thing there's such a variation uh-huh. Uh-huh. and women can be stressed with family life they could be busy at work that like just life generally and you you always can put down what you're feeling to other things that you're a bit tired and it might be just a bit of premenstrual tension and and then suddenly you've realized that that it's getting worse because it can be subtle and slow I think an awful lot of women remain not getting help for a very long time because you can put it down to all kinds of other stuff Absolutely. And also, I think we put it down to age rather than menopause. Mm, So mm. we might say, you know, um, the ability to be able to hold a wee calf is definitely, Mm. you know, Mm. not so good. But you Mm. can put that down to the fact that I'm now a 57 year old woman. Yeah. But actually, when I think about it, it all started when I was perimenopausal. Yeah. Also, if you're a woman who's had children, then there's all kinds of muscle yeah, weaknesses yeah, exactly. exactly so yeah yes yeah. yeah yeah there's so many things aren't there it's just 
it'd be nice if you could just have a big box that said you are entering the menopause <laughs> and then you tick the box when you're done. Yeah, I think it is really hard. And also, you know, we must have the conversation about as well about the women who are young, who mm. because they've had cancer or something, part of their treatment is they now have to go into early menopause. Yeah. Really, really tough because they're going to go through menopausal symptoms too, mm. but nobody's expecting them to no. have them. Yeah. This is what's interesting, isn't it? That it's at your age, it's kind of expected mm-hmm. and it's hidden. Yeah. But if it happens when you're much younger, it's like doubly hidden and not talked about. And also I'm interested in the concept of um shame as well because I'm not saying that menopause is shameful by any stretch but for women who identify as being a woman like it's a very strong thing for them the changes in their body and what's happening to them is a huge adjustment anyway and particularly if the way you see yourself and the way you project yourself and the way then if you're in a heterosexual relationship, the way that men relate to you. And if a lot of, well, a lot of your worth and who you are is tied up in womanhood, but we've never been allowed to talk about menopause. So menopause doesn't exist within your womanhood, really, because it's not a subject we talk about. How on earth do women make that transition of kind of feeling like they're like they're a sexual being, they're, they're worth something? If all of this horrible stuff's happening to them, there must be a, an awful lot of complex emotions going on around all that. I, I absolutely think so. And, um, you know, for a woman who's not particularly fashion conscious or beauty mm. conscious or, you know, I'm, I'm not a um, bit of a tomboy, really. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've been talking to a couple of my friends and one of my friends said to me, have you noticed that we've become the invisible women? Mm. And... And I said, oh, what do you mean? And she said, when was the last time a man lecht at you? <laughs> and I laughed and I just said, oh, actually, I noticed a 70-year-old man. <laughs> and we were just laughing. And I said, no, you're right. And she said, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's mm. not like we, as women, we go, oh, we really like being lecht at. But <laughs> actually, exactly. It actually, you notice the absence of it. Mm. But nobody mm. does a quick up and down look at you Mm. anymore Mm. and so that you know is really really Mm. hard because Mm. what does that mean and also I've noticed you know my hair is definitely drier and it's harder to Mm. make it look nice Mm. um not that that's a big important thing for me but if it is a big important thing for you that's really hard yeah but also Mm. things like there's such an external social image of what women should be and and there's an awful lot of work being done about beauty market and modeling and all this stuff is such a kind of a false image but when people are out in public they present their best selves so they've like plucked their chin hairs they've beautified themselves they've done all that stuff and so you don't see what women are really like and then when it starts to happen when you start to get chin hairs and and dryness in places that you wish you didn't have dryness and all this kind of stuff it just must make someone feel incredibly unattractive unsexual and trying to find what being a woman is we don't talk about the crone era actresses talk about all the good roles go when they get to 45 50 there's this invisibility that needs to be talked about more absolutely and it's just really really tough especially when you're feeling inside like you know 
everything's changing for you mm. you mm. know you can't rely on your body like you used to rely on it yeah. you're getting very tired because you're not sleeping well mm. you know I mean hot flushes I found you know I just found them a pain but not mm. you know really bad but there's you know if I think back to how my mum used to have them, she'd literally you could see like sheets of water going down her mm. face bless her if you're standing up trying to do a presentation at work and that, that happens mm. to you, you mm. know, that's that's really, really yeah. tough. And then there's the other thing that, you know, goes along with all of this is also our libido goes. I mean, mm. I don't know where it goes, but it just... It's <laughs> on holiday packs, constantly. <laughs> it packs its rucksack and goes. You know, mm. I get excited now if, I, if, I, if I'm... I'm in a shop or something and I see a good looking man and I and my brain actually goes oh he's quite nice and I think oh still alive it just disappeared mm. and it's really really hard for mm. relationships for yeah I can imagine and and I mean you don't need to tell me details but but that was something I wanted to ask you about is that it's easy to forget that it's just the woman who's affected and how did mm. it impact your home life in that way then um massively Mm. so certainly with my son so he was let me think he was about eight when I probably first started perimenopause and I can remember me having to explain to him what was happening Mm. and that some days mummy would be a bit teary or mummy could be you know a bit grumpy Mm. um and this is what's happening and he said to me oh when I'm older my girlfriend's not going to have any problem with her chemicals. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I really hope that's true. <laughs> uh, um, my son and I, were very open with each other. We've rubbed along nicely with it, really. But my, for my husband, who is incredibly supportive, I think he felt I no longer fancied him. He mm. felt, was our marriage then if yeah. suddenly this, there was this mm. huge gap in mm. it? Mm. Um, makes you question everything doesn't it It, and and what is a marriage is it just does it have to have sexual relations what are those things that make a marriage and that's going to be different for everybody because there'd be an awful lot of people that would be together whose idea of marriage is very very different to someone else's and it's whatever's important to you as a couple um then it's really hard what was really hard is he's putting up with a woman whose mood swings could be quite dramatic Mm. and he's living with that Mm. and he's trying to support me as best he can. And he was amazing because he said, okay, well, we'll just have to tighten our belt if you're not working for a year. That's absolutely fine. I mean, he couldn't have been more supportive. Yeah, that's wonderful. Lovely. But but the, I think for him to then feel that I didn't fancy him anymore. Mm. It's like the last straw. Mm. Yeah, it was. And, and there was a, there was rocky times, you know, mm. there really was. Mm. I mean, we've come through it, for which I am very grateful. You know, we really are a team, but I think you need to be a team. You, you need to have a conversation with your partner yeah. and sit down and say, these things are happening to me. Mm. Mm. And Simon said, you know, men need to understand what menopause is. Mm. They mm. really do, because mm. otherwise it can feel very much like, they are the ones that are receiving the brunt of the mood swings and the stress and the They're, tiredness. And, yeah. and what's also happened to the women folk who, you know, used to manage everything and keep the house going and now yeah. they're like a little crumpled heap on the floors yeah. thinking, I can't remember what I was doing. And as a couple, you, I know when we've had tough times, you kind of feel like you can manage anything that's happening, it, like life stuff, as long as you're still 
together and you're you're a team but when the cracks start to appear there because how you are then makes him think something else it's really scary and sitting and having a conversation actually being very clear about letting him understand the symptoms in you are not necessarily what he thinks they are and actually being very honest about what's happening I think it's an incredibly important thing to the longevity and getting through all of this yeah and and you know I finally when I had my second sort of full-on bout of menopause um (laughs) decided to try HRT Mm. and I think Simon was very keen that I tried HRT because I think he was really worried you know how are we going to traverse this next stage to the point that I think our relationship at that point was so fragile Mm. that when I realized HRT was really not working for me I didn't tell him that I stopped taking it Mm. because I can remember thinking well maybe he'll leave me if he thinks I'm not trying to to, to work through the HRT I felt completely numb Kath it it removed all the mood swings but it actually what it did would make me just feel like I I was just Mm. like on some sort of autopilot person I didn't feel anything like vegetable kind of like a vegetable yeah Mm. but I got to a point where I just thought you know Mm. even feeling bad would be better than feeling nothing yeah yeah uh, yeah that's really interesting isn't it even feeling bad would be better than feeling nothing yeah yeah that feels like um how I felt when I had depression and I was thinking about women who are experiencing kind of a really difficult menopause how many women actually don't make it and commit suicide that mental stress must be enormous and I I did read this week someone was talking about the rates of suicide in women generally and they were talking about the rate being higher in this period of life but it got me thinking about how far some people must be pushed and and what are the outcomes of this yeah I mean I I I think you know I definitely I did I wasn't thinking it wasn't suicidal I wasn't thinking about ways in which um I may leave this planet but definitely there were moments where I thought it it would be better for everyone if I wasn't here Mm. Mm. definitely those thoughts were going on yeah just Um, and and that's just you desperately needing help isn't it you just want someone to take it all away and just make life better and and just just be looked after it's kind of a internal cry for help yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing that really, really did help me, which I want to share with other women, is that there was one day where I woke up and I was back. Mm. And it lasted about three weeks. Mm. But I was completely and utterly back. It was like I remembered how I used to be and my brain was working and I was firing and I was happy. And then slowly and surely I felt the sort of fog come in again. Mm. And when that happened, I thought, oh, it is hormonal. Just mm. knowing that my body is doing something. And, yeah. and you're, you're still in there. Like you're I'm still, still there. in there. Mm. And now I can feel her coming back again. And so mm. I would say to anyone who's struggling, you're going through a transition which is um, being created by fluctuations of hormones Mm. hold fast Mm. it will pass Mm. do go and get help do reach out you know don't suffer on your own Mm. but on the black days remember that this will pass Mm. you will come out the other side Mm. yeah and Uh, it's just lasting that distance 
and last thing that I know that mm. it isn't you mm. it's it's the the hormonal shit try try to see it as that you know you are transitioning through a period of hormonal flux yeah and when you get out the other side it's going to be wonderful because you're not having all the hormonal stuff and like a lot of us you're hanging to that time that you don't have to worry about a period every month <laughs> oh god I, I have to say because I do know some women who've said to me they really miss that sort of monthly cycle oh. I don't Gosh. Who are they? I need to talk to them. I'm sorry, but oh god, that that is definitely the silver lining. Wow. No period. It is. <laughs> Do they miss it because it's regular and it's predictable, as opposed to? I think so. I think they they miss the yes, that sort of almost like missing the seasons. Do you know what mm. I mean? If you yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure I'll ever be <laughs> saying that one. I don't think that'll come out of my mouth. <laughs> I was thinking, though, as you were saying this, I mean, my my wife has definitely gone through it because of a surgical intervention with a hysterectomy. So I'll be doing it on my own in that regard, in terms of like just the process happening physically. But I was thinking about lesbian couples, how like your relationship and the stresses it put on. Can you imagine lesbian couples going through it together and how I've never really explored whether that's how much that's talked about but wow I think that's a really really important question to raise isn't it because I can remember at university you know sharing a house with four other girls and we're all having our periods and all and our PMT is all yeah you know colliding so it's the same a bit intense (laughs) intense yeah so I guess yeah, yeah absolutely do you think um or what do you think actually I wanted to ask is do you think could be done to help men prepare for these years with their wives and partners? I think that really the the biggest thing is for women to start understanding what's around the corner, Mm. more open conversation about Mm. it, and then going back to talk to their menfolk, ideally before it happens. Mm. Say, you know, we might find that this is a walk in the park and I'm not really affected, Mm. but... um, I could suddenly start having mood swings or I could start having health implications Mm. of going through the menopause Mm. and, you know, fatigue, feeling really tired is one of them. And possibly that's because you're not sleeping well. And boy, the hot flushes tend to like nighttime. Mm. I've I've talked to lots of friends. The hot flushes change. They've changed for me during Mm -hmm. the whole journey. But guaranteed, you will wake up and you'll think, why am I awake? And within about 30 seconds of hot flush will start. So it wakes you up. Mm. Well, I'm not woken up from feeling hot. I'm woken up thinking, why am I awake? And then you're not coping even more in the daytime because you're tired and it just completely yeah. just gets on top layers and layers and layers. So I think, I think a lot of partnerships find it quite difficult because they start sleeping separately. Mm. But that's a big thing that happens because mm. the woman's just not sleeping. I know um, friends who've had sort of like twitchy leg syndrome, mm. definitely relating to it. Is that um, part of menopause or perimenopause? It can be, I think. Because yeah. I get that huge. Really restless. I've got mm. massive restless legs. And, and as you're talking, I've been wondering about me being perimenopausal because there's other little things that you're talking about. But I, I get restless legs a lot and I've always... Like we talked about, I've put that down to other things. I've put that down to tension in my body from exercise and muscles not being mm. relaxed. And and it's always worse after I've done exercise. But I've definitely 
noticed it and I've definitely noticed sleep and some other things as well yeah because yeah, it's the dropping in estrogen that mm. just like makes us supple makes our skin soft makes our mm. you know hair glossy all of that but mm. also makes our brain connections work so mm. when it drops everything sort of <laughs> goes to pot really yeah um, yeah. yeah and then the other thing that comes along with it is anxiety you know mm. um anxiety is horrible yeah. it's just vile and mm. I've never had I've had you know depression before in my life and I've had challenge mm. but I've never had anxiety and panic attacks I only once just after my mum died I had some panic attacks um but I think that was all around intense grief mm. um but I've never had anxiety like I had losing my confidence mm. feeling that I couldn't go back to work because you know how could I possibly you know stand mm. up and deliver a workshop or uh, well, yeah. and as I said in the introduction, you're you've won an award of the like unsung hero volunteer of the year in 2019, and you yeah. high to then what? No, it's happening to me, and I put a lot of store in my professional worth of who I am, and it, it gives me a boost. It gives me a lot of my my identity, and when if that's then not there, it's all that reassessing of who you are and your worth. I imagine as well is massive absolutely massive but here's the gift Kath let's take a, a stereotypical woman rather than me mm. but if I am not projecting my full beauty anymore mm. if I'm not projecting my full sexuality anymore if I am not a successful career woman in the same way that I was before if I'm finding motherhood difficult because I'm so grumpy and tired mm. who am I? Who am I is the game because it's really enabled me to start thinking, yeah, actually, who is Mandy Priest? Mm. Who, who mm. is that person mm. inside of? Where, where are the gifts? Mm. You know, that coming out the other side, I can remember my mum saying to me, <laughs> it was really brilliant. She said to me, when you're in your 20s, you think you know everything, but you know nothing. <laughs> when you're in your 30s, she says, it dawns on you that you know nothing. And she said, that's quite tricky. She said, <laughs> When you're in your 40s, you think, okay, I know that I'm probably not going to know everything I thought I was going to know, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's okay. Mm. When you're in your 50s, you will go through the menopause. And she said, it throws up everything in your face. And she said, and then you reach your 60s and you know who you are. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> Isn't it? So I've only got yeah. three years to go, Kath. Yeah, you'll be right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait for your birthday and I'll knock on your door like I want your wisdom download. Wisdom. And, you know, I, I don't really like the word crone because it, it's not great, is it? No, it's a bit no, like it's spinster. Not. Yeah, oh, no. God, those words. But I think, you know, there should be this big conversation about honouring these women who've mm. been, you know, we've seen mm. through all of this mm. and we're still showing up, showing up as women who've got this vast powerhouse yeah. behind us of coping strategies and wisdom that's come from having to be down in the dirt and fighting through. Yeah. I wonder too, the connections then with the invisibility and how, if we look at a patriarchal society, how women then, when they know who they are, they're potentially dangerous to the patriarchy. Why there's a very good reason to keep us invisible. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's just there's a lot of social stuff in that that fascinates me. And and it's no wonder that when you go to to Glastonbury, and just for people who aren't from the UK, Glastonbury is a very kind of spooky spiritual town here in England, that 
all the people that are there that are doing courses are middle-aged women, 40s, 50s, finding themselves. It, they're these yeah. life things have thrown up at menopause and it's yeah. a, a massive transition time. Yeah, um, it's really interesting because I can remember hearing um, a lady from the Sioux tribe, uh, Native American, talking mm. about how her tribe would have raised women. So they were raised to believe that they were at the strongest on day two of their period. That's how they're raised. Mm -hmm. You are in your absolute prime. You are so strong. And when you go through the menopause, I I know, isn't it? I'm only laughing because I feel like shit on day two. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Because we're told, are we, from little, that that periods debilitating yeah which they are I mean no, let's be honest they hurt yeah yeah the physical but that, I love that though yeah yeah and then she said when you get to menopause that period of your life is honored mm. and we all understand that you're transitioning and she said when you come out the other side of it then you are the wise woman of mm. the tribe mm. you were one of the elders celebrated. of the tribe and it's yeah. celebrated mm. wouldn't that be nice absolutely yeah it's it's yeah, yeah. It is fascinating, isn't it? Like on the one hand, there's just surviving the physical side of it and the emotional side. Mm-hmm. And then when you really start to have a conversation like this, you look at the the social and cultural aspects that all come into it and the internal questioning. And it, it's like literally becoming a new person. It's completely new person in many ways with kind of traces of who you were before, but a much stronger self I guess yeah if you'd said this to me you know a few years ago I would have said no it's shit (laughs) (laughs) well it was at that point (laughs) but now I'm beginning to think oh okay I Mm. can see I see that there's strengths behind me that I didn't realize was there before yeah 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 Yeah. exactly and you talk about that Sue woman um makes me think that I've seen quite a lot recently a lot of petitions um on change.org and places like that where there's pushes to get menopause talked about much more in uh, the curriculum in schools. And I know there's been some changes recently, um, but get it brought into uh, the kind of life, sex education, well-being, whatever that that course is called, to start that conversation much earlier so that it's not a surprise. Absolutely. What I think will be interesting for me as I go forward now is thinking about, you know, when we talk about menopause, mm. um, we talk about all the, 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 the tricky stuff, mm. but we're not then balancing that out with, well, there's also mm. some gifts underneath of all of this. So yeah. I think it is about having a balanced conversation and mm. saying there are things that come out of it mm. that are good. And it'd be interesting to for your listeners, to, you know, to comment on that, you know, mm. have people been through it? feel that there were gifts or was that not the case for them you know I think mm. I think we we do need to have these conversations my heart goes out to all the younger women you know mm. I think you don't want to be going through menopause when you're young that's just horrible but you know perhaps the silver lining might be that they find out who they are quicker and mm. that might be mm. a gift yeah absolutely yeah I think I, I shared with you a um a wonderful scene that I'd watched that was in the show Fleabag where Kristen Scott Thomas's character yeah. talks and it's, she's talking wonderfully about menopause and she talks about how awful it is, but then how wonderful it is at, at the end. And I remember just loving watching the scene because it was really powerful, but I was also 
very curiously in my reaction, I was aware that my body felt slightly uncomfortable and shocked that as I was watching it. And I was trying to work out why. And I realized that it was just that it was not something that I very frequently saw on TV. It, it's just not in our everyday. And people are talking about it more. But like you say, if younger women are having these experiences, which might be painful for them uh, being so early, maybe, maybe if it's just out there more and people are talking about it, like on that TV show, then there's power in visibility. And it just, that's what will help change society and help people's awareness of it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's really important. I think Davina McCall's done some really good work around that, you know, and I love the fact that she's so honest. Mm. I think that's just liberating for so many people. But yeah, I think we all need to be having conversations about it. And like you say, with the men folk too, and and talking about how, you know, it's part of aging. Mm. It's part of getting older, but it's Mm. also part of our womanhood and we need to understand that. Mm. Mm. I was talking to someone actually on Saturday night. We were talking about, menopause policies in workplaces and Mm -hmm. the difference it makes when the policymakers have a woman's input and we were talking about how uh, she'd seen a a policy that talks about that women were allowed uh, a day off a month leading up to perimenopausal but also just in having periods and talking about how the policy actually said and it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke but also saying that chocolate would be available and just that little line in there shows that someone sees you and I think if we can bring these things into our everyday living on all areas of our lives it just helps raise awareness more and I mean I used to take days off from work when I had period and regardless of whether my boss was a man or a woman I would say first day of period and I feel appalling and I can't come in and I was always honest about it because I thought I'm not hiding this stuff it's too important yeah and I know there's been some good work done through the police as well there's been Mm. a few high profile women who've Mm. risen up the ranks and then really struggled with menopause who've Mm. made some big changes and I think the police have been driving Mm. some changes certainly like you know, the availability to have showers if you've had, you know, a massive mm. hot flush out, you know, and to be able to go and change your uniform or whatever mm. Mm. Um, is really important. Yeah, I've I never think, thought about that. I think for me, one of the biggest things was trying to get through travelling to workshop, teaching all day and then going home and mm. thinking about, wow, I've had four hot flushes, have I perspired too much? You know, how much deodorant can one person wear? Yeah. Seriously, mm. and got to the point where I was buying identical clothes, Kath, so mm. that I could change at lunchtime. Wow. I don't think I ever was, you know, odorous, but in my head, I was clammy and felt uncomfortable and I needed Well, you just feel, change. yeah, just you just feel grotty, regardless yeah, of whether grotty. you smell or not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also somebody said to me, oh, it's not embarrassing if you end up with wet patches under your arm. And I think it so is. I'm mm. sorry. That's mm. not how I want to be standing up in front of a group of people presenting mm. a workshop. Mm. But that's also still these social standards, isn't it, all the time? It might be embarrassing, but it's also something that we deem as embarrassing when actually there's, there shouldn't be that judgment all the time and there shouldn't be the space where we need to feel embarrassed. That's what I don't like. There's nothing wrong with feeling embarrassed, but it's 
going back a step from that for me and wanting to question why we do in the first place. For sure. I think mm. probably because the, the, your body changes so quickly, mm. it feels like you go from somebody who can just stand up in front of everyone and present mm. to somebody who's standing up in front of everyone dripping and forgetting your words. I mean, the worst, the worst possible thing anyone can do to a menopausal woman who's presenting a workshop is to ask two questions rolled into each other <laughs> because I can guarantee I'll only remember the first one. I hope I've, I've and, managed to ask single questions. <laughs> yes, well done, Kath, single questions um, because I'll, I'll just think what was the other one. But also it ends up being more expensive that like you <laughs> buying double outfits. That's just bonkers, but you can see why you would. I was thinking about people who live in countries who have no access to help. So women that are going through this without medical help and they haven't got money or there's poverty and even in this country whoever you are whatever rank of position you hold or anything like that you as a woman still want to go into your job or your life whatever you do and feel complete and comfortable in yourself and some people can do that and others can't there's the finances that goes with that that if you're massive high flyer international kind of big person then you've probably got a salary to match being able to do that but the average person who doesn't have the money it must be incredibly stressful working out what to do and how to manage yeah. your life day to day I know so many women have had to give up work mm. so many women who just can't mm. manage their jobs you know mm. that lady spoke to me who was one of my son's teachers mm. and she just said to me I'm gonna have to give up because she said, I just can't hold everything in my head anymore. And I can't cope with the busyness of the classroom. Do you think that there's an awful lot of women going into a retirement much earlier than they would ideally want to? And they don't ever go back? Yeah, not my close group of friends, but I know four women in mm. my circle who mm. have had to make that decision. And then you think about the impact in terms of people getting a state pension and it's getting pushed back yeah. at 67 and if you've had to stop at 55 or 50 it's like what do you do particularly if you're a single woman if you're not in a relationship with somebody and you're on your own how yeah. god hung out to dry I guess there's also a lot of women who just keep pushing through because they have no choice and end up much more struggling and hating what they do and just not enjoying life because of how difficult it is yes mm. and I think I think that is a big part of it is if we as women don't share and talk about this then we haven't got the support network to get us through because you really do need a support network and mm. there will be women who will say you know well just take HRT or mm. just do this and you'll be fine or mm. start taking whatever sage tablets mm. work for me and everything and that's, that's fine, but we also have to understand that for all of us, it will be a different experience. Mm. And I think it's much more helpful if we all say, we are going through a transition. How can I help you in yours and what works yeah. for me? Because everybody's yeah. different. Think of it as a sisterhood too. Uh, yeah, it's a sisterhood thing. Mm. I will say one thing, Kath, that I think, you know, for anyone out there, I started relying on sugar and chocolate as my sort of go-to coping strategy. Yeah. It definitely, whether it made other things worse, I don't know, but it definitely made the hot flushes worse. Really? Um, yeah, I can guarantee that sugar, there is definitely a relationship between sugar and hot flushes mm. for me. That's just cruel. Isn't it? That's just, that's like God having a laugh. Isn't yeah, it? it's like shoot me now and then shoot me again just to check I'm dead. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I know. I know. Thank God for tea. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. So one of my coping strategies was I definitely have my cup of tea and my chocolate biscuit and my treats in the morning because mm. I don't want to make the hot flushes at night worse. So I would say to people, if you love your glass of wine, have it when you get home from work. Don't have it like nine o'clock. Yeah. Because in the that might, you know, experiment with it. Yeah. Yeah. Are your hot flushes worse because of mm. any sort of sugar intake yeah. later on in the evening? Mm. Mm. I definitely have mm. done practices with myself. I see the difference. So that'd be interesting for your listeners. Have yeah. other people noticed that, that mm. sugar definitely has an effect? Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I mm. was thinking too, in terms of support and the kind of sisterhood, I read somewhere that a woman was running a menopause cafe in the same yeah. way that you do death cafes. Have you ever been to one or thought of running a menopause cafe? Because I know you've been involved with death kind of death cafes. Well. I did think about running a menopause cafe and then I thought, all I'll do is talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I thought maybe I'm not there yet. Um, <laughs> I've still got an um, issue I need to resolve. <laughs> um, I think it's a really good idea. I think it probably needs someone to run it who can say, I understand what you're going through now, but I promise you, with support mm. and sisterhood and looking at diet and stuff like that, mm. it can be easier than it is now mm. and it will pass. Mm. You know, I love it when women say to me, Oh, we were almost through it, mm. you know. Mm. The average, when people have talked to me, the average people have said it's about 10 years. I've decided mm. I'm not doing 10 years. So I've just... <laughs> You've decided. <laughs> I've decided, yeah, seven years is long enough, thank you. Yeah. That's what's going to be my one of my last questions, actually, was how long did it last for you? What is this time span? We're on year seven. I'm determined that I am just going to kick its butt this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it done <laughs> <laughs> on that note then i know you're, you're kind of joking but there's also kind of serious as well um do you believe it's possible to make horrendous experiences like these happen more smoothly i know there's all the help and the things that you've talked about but is there anything else that would help prepare people or is it just this is biology we just have to get through it is there anything else that would have helped you that you didn't have access to the biggest thing I would say to any woman experiencing it is go with your gut. Mm. If you feel you wake up some mornings and you feel like I just want to be on my own, mm. can you create that space for yourself at some point during your day? Mm. Can you do that? If you feel I really, really need somebody to help me get out of my head, mm. then get a group of girlfriends together or, or you know, go to the pub with a group of mates and mm. have a laugh, you know, mm. do something yeah. that, that yeah. you know, clears mm. your head. You know, I think what happens for a lot of women is as menopause hits and we're less able to cope with every day and all the challenges of every day, we just try harder and harder and harder. And the self-care, or oh, I don't mm. really like self-care so much as self-nurture, the nurturing mm. goes mm. out the window mm. and, and becomes very, very small. And the mm. only only way that I found is to turn that around and think this is non-negotiable my mm. time mm. I have to give some time to myself whatever that mm. looks like so sometimes that'll look like actually I'm going to eat a huge piece of chocolate cake mm. so that's going to make me feel better yeah or I'm going to go for a walk 
or mm. I'm going to have a laugh or I'm going to reach out to friends or whatever it is. Mm. But the important thing is to do it, to and, do to it. Recog- and to recognize, keep reminding yourself, you are going through a transition. Mm. You are creating, think of yourself as a teenager. You know, when teenagers suddenly slow down and can't talk properly, so they're creating <laughs> new, amazing brains. You're doing the same thing. Yeah. You're telling yourself you're doing that. You're creating a whole new you. Find her on the other side. Yeah, that's a wonderful way of looking at it, that you're growing finding a new you and although it's challenging it's going to be amazing as well yeah I keep telling myself that okay that really helps yeah I think it does and I think you talk about self-nurturing as well I've had periods of my life where similarly I was just not paying attention to myself and getting more and more tired and not kind of happy with things and what helped for me was I thought if I was in a job and I had a meeting with my boss no way I would let that boss down and not turn up to that meeting. So Mm. why am I not turning up for myself? And I decided that I actually started to make meetings for myself. And meeting with myself was going to the gym, going and sitting in a coffee shop, doing some drawing or something for me. And it really helped. It actually took the emotion out of it and made it just something I had to do in my day. But it then fed me emotionally in a way that it it didn't before. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I found that really powerful. And I just wanted to say that in companion to what you talked about, because I think looking after ourselves and not being too hard and just realising it's a process and that you will come out the other side is... A really nice way to finish. Um, I think it's beautiful. I like that. I'm going to have me meetings now. Yeah, do. Like, yeah, I love I that. Love, I, it's really important because you. It's too easy just to give up on yourself and and oh no, I've got to do this, got to do that, and there's no way I'd do that with a boss at work. You'd be too frightened. You've got to bring out your inner bitch. Like that's going to get you in trouble if you don't. <laughs> I, yeah, and and your inner bitch can really come out in menopause. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Mandy. I've oh, really enjoyed you. this conversation. I wasn't sure at the beginning whether we would be very serious or jokey. And that's one of the things I love about you is there's a um, seriousness and uh, an authenticity to everything that you do, but also doing it with a sense of humour because if if you don't, you'd, yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd cry. But thank you so much for sharing and please thank your husband and son for allowing you as well to talk about their stories. And I'm very grateful for your time. And to the listeners, I really hope that this has been helpful. And I hope, if anything, that it makes you feel a bit more seen, even if it just you're having a crappy day and it gives you a boost to think, right, yeah, I can keep doing this. Not that you really have a choice. I'm sorry. But (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah. But yeah, no, thank you very much, Mandy. No, no, thank and you. thank you, Kath. And thank you for what you're doing here. It's just brilliant, these podcasts. I found them really, really helpful. So yeah, thank you. Good. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay. You've been listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story with Kath Brew.